Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the ShuttlePod podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Yacovino, and today I am joined by the entire ShuttlePod crew contingent. That, that, of course, is Brian Drew. Hey, everybody. Jared Whitley. Hello. And Matt Wright. Hello. We are recording ShuttlePod episode 101, so we are, we are officially now well into the triple digits. Mm-hmm. Today we're going to be doing a continuation of a series that we've done before here on the Shuttle Bob. We haven't done one of these in a while, um, but we're going to do part three of our Best of the Weird series. And this is where we take a look at some of Star Trek's weirder episodes. Um, sometimes they're considered bad, sometimes they're considered good, usually they're considered bad. We kind of take a look <laughs> at them and talk about why they're weird and and just kind of yeah talk about why they're weird and wacky and some of them are actually sort of like cult classics i would say within the franchise at this point because they begin they become so renowned for being just so oddball um but before we get to that we wanted to talk about last episode of the shuttle pod shuttle pod number 100 um it was a, a asterisk not including episode reviews and supplementals always had to put that out there because we've actually done well over 100 podcasts at this point we have but last time we announced a contest to celebrate our 100th, nominally 100th episode of the podcast. Um, and we tasked you, the listeners, with creating a fun or funny or interesting or creative Photoshop uh, related to the shuttle pod, related to Star Trek. We provided you with a number of image assets, including backgrounds and cutouts, um, but also said, you know, go wild. You don't have to use any of these or all of these, just come up with you know a fun photoshop together a fun scene and um we got a lot of good entries right guys we did yeah mm-hmm. so we're just we've been going over them um and we have to pick a winner uh it's it's a really tough decision because actually we got a lot of really creative and fun very entries. clever stuff yep um but our first prize winner uh will be sean bender who submitted uh his his collage entitled Quark's Bar at DS9 with actors I've met at conventions. Yay, Sean. Yeah, it was beautiful. Good job, done. Sean. Thanks for yep. participating. It really is a yeah. delightful thing. Yes. It is. It really is. So it's a picture of himself, Jonathan Frakes, and who I assume is his daughter. Um, and they all are just like smiling very happily. They're in Quark's Bar, and there's a bunch of different actors photoshopped with the background, plus a lot of the little shuttle pod. Um, assets that we provided and a few extra ones that we didn't provide, including right. the Tom Paris plate, which I really is yes. a detail. I appreciated. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now I'm actually wondering, is the DS nine of his shirt photoshopped or is he wearing a DS nine shirt? I think it's photoshopped on. And, and I think so is the, um, yeah. And so is the Titan on Frakes. And Frakes is shirt. I just noticed yeah. that. <laughs> Well done, Sean. So we'll we'll put this up and some other runners up um, on the the article that goes along with this post um, with this podcast on our website trekmovie.com, so you can see um, all of the wonderful entries. And I have here a box of swag. So if I, I haven't even said what the prize is going to be because I didn't know the time, except for I just said I'm going to put together a really awesome prize pack for whoever is the first prize winner. Um, so Sean is going to be getting a bunch of stuff, uh, a lot of things from Star Trek Day, 
Um, I've got a hat. I've got a trivia game. I've got a Qi wireless charger that says, Scotty, we need more power. Star Trek Day 2021. I've got um, an, oh, it's an off-brand. I didn't realize it was off-brand. Viewfinder. Remember Viewfinders? Oh, yeah, because I don't think they exist anymore. So it's like a replica. This one's called Image 3D, but it comes, it's a viewfinder. And it comes with two discs with cool pictures on it. I've got a pop socket. I've got Trek movie stickers. I've got um, a Cerritos stickers. I've got a ton of stuff. It's going to be a pretty good. Oh, and maybe my per- personal favorite item, which I'm almost reluctant to give up, but I'll do it for you, Sean, is a Star <laughs> Trek Day space pen. Ooh, you that's can write fun. upside down and underwater with it. So that's spectacular. I mean, if we've learned nothing from Seinfeld, those are spo- those are amazing pens, right? They're fantastic pens. Yeah. Um, and just because we were so chuffed with all of the entries, um, we've decided we're going to send um, a bunch of people a little something. So um, take a close look at your inboxes. We'll be getting a touch over the next couple of days, probably before this podcast comes out. Um, and we'll let you know if you're a runner up and we'll send you a little something. Everybody, thank you so much for doing this. It was yeah, very it was cool. fun. Thank you for taking time out of your lives to do this. This was really, really cool. We're honestly wondering, we're like, I hope we get any submissions. (laughs) (laughs) But we really wanted to do something interactive rather than just comment your name and like this post. Yeah, exactly. Thought this was more fun. And some of you have been listening to this podcast for a while now, and we we really appreciate it. And I'm still amazed that we... (laughs) That anyone just wants to listen to us chat about Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, it's very flattering. It oh, it always is, always. Yeah, absolutely. It's the reason we keep doing these things for sure. Yep, no question. So before we jump into our best of the weird part three, I wanted to do a brief little recap of our best of the weird series um, that we've done before because these are kind of older episodes actually at this point. Um, so we have part one and part two. Um, go back into the archives to find those if you want. In part one. We talked about uh, Lights of Zatar, which, in my opinion, is perhaps the worst episode of Star Trek ever it, it's put awful. on the air. Oh, yeah. Uh, we did Move Along Home, a.k.a. Alamarine. <laughs> and one of my personal favorites, Masks. Mm-hmm. Um, and in part two, we did Sub Rosa, a.k.a. Another the one Kayla with, favorite. Another Kayla favorite, the one with Beverly <laughs> Ghost Candle. And mm-hmm. if you are riding the Sub Rosa subway as much as I am, you might also want to check out a audio commentary that myself and friend of the show, Kara Brugman, did on the Sub Rosa episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. We also talked about the Thaw, which is the Voyager episode with the like gray and white clown guy. We did, Freaky. We did the animated series episode Magics of Megas 2 and the yep. TNG episode Home Soil. Which I think is a secret masterpiece. Yeah, which I think we reevaluated that. That's not so much. It's it's just good. It's not necessarily weird. It's just good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there are advocates for almost all these episodes. You could find people advocating every for everything except maybe Lights of Zatar. Yeah, yeah. You could find yeah. people who will advocate for these ep- for those episodes. Totally. And I think this week that's true as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. So for all um, sorts of different reasons. Brian, do you want to talk about the three, the the four episodes we have lined up today? Sure. Um, some of them veer from high camp to high concept. 
<laughs> yes, yes, nice. that's yes. true. I think true. that's the best way of putting it. Um, well two said. Of them, two of them are written by Brandon Braga, who is the king of high concept in Star Trek. Yes. So we'll start with the high camp. We are going to talk about Spock's brain, which, like, like we just said, you know, definitely has its fans. I think that's one of those um, very iconic episodes of the franchise. I mean, yeah, and it's sort of best. like mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. people recognize um, the imagery of it. Yes. Like, um, there's an episode of The Wonder Years. The Wonder Years. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Created, mm-hmm. And that drilled into my brain as a young man, the whole thing of them being zapped. Yep. yep. The, the yep. little... Uh, yeah, when Shatner really oversells it. Yeah. <laughs> that Yes, that is a generous way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, it's also typically when people like want a quick reference point for what went wrong with Star Trek's third season. This is the <laughs> episode. Yeah. They love to point it Even out. though it is yeah. not the worst episode. Oh, yeah. Of third well, we season. just, as we just there talked about. several other contenders. Yes. <laughs> We've reviewed at least one of them already. Yeah. In the, yeah. In the and series. I, and yeah. I, I would review when the children shall lead, but I don't think I would have the stomach to see No. The oh, my goodness. Thing, so. See, that's not just like. That's not fun weird. That's just bad. It's just atrocious yeah. garbage. Yeah. <laughs> it does, doesn't that have a young Phil Morris in it though? No, it's got Phil Morris' son. Oh, that uh, Yeah, uh, that's okay. Phil Morris. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that is that's Phil Morris. Greg Morris. Thinking, that's Greg Morris' son, son, which is right. Phil Morris. Yeah. Yes, right. of course. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. So that, yeah. that, that, that's something, right? Cuz he's <laughs> he's a lovable member. Well, sure. And that makes him, you know, he he gets that claim to be in what is it, three different Star Trek shows? So yep. that's pretty cool. Right. He was in No, more than Spock. that. And yeah, DS9, right? Search for Spock. And, no, Voyager, I think. Voyager. Yeah, okay. Voyager. Yeah, he was in so yeah, three... one. And then he played a Jem'Hadar in um, Rocks and Shore. Oh, see? So that's right. three see, TV shows like, in a movie. Got, that's why I got... Yeah, okay. There you go. That's three TV shows in a movie. That's so pretty that's, great. So that, that's kind of cool. That is cool. That's about the only thing that's cool about it, though. <laughs> Good on you, Jared. Shining a little light on that piece of crap. <laughs> I, do, I do my best. I do my best. Way to polish a turd. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's another anyway. podcast. <laughs> so, uh, Spock's Brain will be our first episode we'll talk about. Then we have Phantasms, which is the first of our two Brandon Braga entries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a very Brandon Braga entry. It is, and it's probably the best episode of the four we've picked. Yeah, oh, I, I have far. always liked this episode yeah. for just being weird and interesting. Yep. And super memorable. Yes. yes, very for, for good reasons. Yeah. yeah, like lots of good imagery. That right. You can't forget. Again, we're yeah. The, and again, this episode, like Spock's brain, evokes a certain amount of imagery that brings you to the episode very quickly. Agreed. Yeah. Um, then we have "If Wishes Were Horses" from DS Nine from early. I think first season. Very of early. DS9. Yeah, I didn't yeah. realize how yeah. early it was. I can't watched it. First season. And last but not least, oh boy, the notorious <laughs> threshold. which has a teleplay written by brandon braga brandon did not write to come up with the story michael deluca did but i mean the polish is brandon's and you can yes it is very much a braga yeah a braga uh episode so all right let's roll back and start talking about spock's brain now spock's brain was written by lee cronin and lee cronin was the pen name of gene coon Oh, interesting. When Gene Kuhn left the show before the end of the second season, I think part of the condition of him being released out of his contract was that he had he owed the show, I think, three or four episodes for season three. Yep. And by the time season three went to production, he was working on another TV series called To Catch a Thief with Robert Wagner. 
So in order to fulfill his contractual obligations, he used the pen name. Also, you know, it doesn't hurt to take your name off this script anyway. Right, right. seriously. Right. <laughs> but I think initially he, this episode was supposed to be, was supposed to be camp to begin with. Like it was yeah. not supposed to be played straight at all. That's what I remember reading, yes. Yeah, that Kuhn was trying to have fun with it and somewhere it got lost in translation once it got into the hands of Fred Freiberger. <laughs> and they took it deadly serious. <laughs> and they tried to play it straight and yeah. what we got is what we got. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, uh, Spock's brain, guys, what do we think of it? Well, you know, as we've talked about, there's a there's a kind of ridiculous 60s like uh, babes and William bill tice designs kind of you know iconicness to it oh it's very bill tice with the go-go boots and everything oh yeah 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 open sides yeah side boob if almost you know kind of stuff it's the the Um, fabric crisscrossing over in the front classic Mm -hmm. tos random female design yep yeah so that's like i think you know as jared said like that's hard to forget because you i mean that's that's what sticks out and they used it on the wonder years and so that that whole thing i did not i watched that show when i was a kid and i do not remember spock's brain episode yeah well because it's really about you know his feelings about winnie right but he feels like i can't remember the whole details but basically he feels like shirked or like gypped by his relationship with winnie and so you know it becomes oh well all all chicks are out to dominate dudes with their feminine wiles and then it's like yeah you know then it becomes back to this thing the the givers of pain and delight right you know so right it gets reduced sort of to that. And the episode but. opens with Kevin watching Spock's brain, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. It's, of course, been years, but that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> so not, not that we necessarily need this, especially for this episode, but just real quickly, I'm going to read the the wiki, the Memory Alpha <coughs> description of the episode. Just Please to do, remind right. everyone Please which episode this is. Um, and it is an alien lady invades the Enterprise and steals Spock's brain. Kirk, McCoy, and a landing party beam down to a planet in desperate race to retrieve it. In parentheses, and this part really gets me, <laughs> season three premiere. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. so folks, that your letter writing campaign paid off, and this is what you got. Yeah, this is what you get. I was get. just about to say yeah. that. That's what you got. Yeah. I'm sure in 1968 they were thrilled. This is the first episode from saving the show. Yeah, B. Joe, B. Joe, and John Trimble were probably like, "Why did we bother?" <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there are things. It's actually, I think, it's not as bad as its reputation is. It, yeah, I agree. And in it's fact, not. I was listening. Was it maybe it was one of the best of the weird episodes? I was listening to an older podcast of ours recently, and there was a just coincidentally. I don't normally do that, um, but just coincidentally, there's like a one second moment where I mentioned Spock's brain, and I was like, "Oh, that's like the worst episode of Star Trek ever." And now I'm like, "What? I totally disagree with my past self. It's not that. But I wouldn't put it in no. the worst of Star Trek." It, it's well, got and this think weird... about how much more of the franchise you've consumed in the intervening years, and it's refined your right. uh, your opinions of what you like and what you don't. Well, we've like. We've been doing this podcast for better. a while, so we have, we have. Well, and also it's 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 one of those like, uh, what do you call it? Quote, you know, sort of common knowledge that's not really true. It's like this common wisdom that Spock's brain is terrible, yeah, and it, and it's one of the worst or whatever. And it's like, well, it's not really terrible. It's, it, it's super yeah. goofy. It's yeah. goofy, yeah, and it's got some weird. Like a lot of season three episodes, 
that we've talked about like we talk about with lights of zaytar before it's got weird like sexism that wasn't there in the first two seasons oh, that yeah, like starts so to weave its way in oh. which really sucks so like how kirk thanks. is basically like where's the man because like, he goes yeah, yeah. Go this couldn't be a planet, leader and it's exactly. all women and they're like well where's oh. the man in charge like can i speak well, to yeah. him oh my god well, here i'll, I'll give terrible. you a little perspective on fred freiberger when when he got the gig he sat in a screening room and watched a few episodes i think of season two maybe a certain select episodes of both seasons i don't know and dorothy fontana happened to be there and when it ended he goes oh i get it tits in space that's what God. he took from star trek yeah, well that makes degree. that makes so much sense why then he's like degree. oh when women are afraid of like space travel you know that whole thing and so did he do oof. lights of zatar as well yeah the whole season well it's all season three he was the showrunner for season three so I'm I'm gonna reinsert that my favorite episode of the original series is the Enterprise incident, which features the wonderful Lady Romulan commander. Yep, it, and it definitely bucks the trend of like terrible, weird, sexist season three episodes because mm. that's really good. Dorothy I wrote think that it's spectacular. <laughs> See, oh, there, well, you there you go. There you go. Dorothy wrote that before piecing out. <laughs> Dorothy. That was the last thing she wrote for Trek, I think. I think so. We owe Dorothy so much. <laughs> totally. So I mean. There's a lot of interesting stuff too, right? I mean, it's weird. Of course, so okay, let's just get this out of the way. It's fucking weird, pardon, <laughs> that they can just steal a brain, right? And then somehow Spock can be like a zombie for up to 24 hours. Right, and why 24? Yeah, right. where and and of course they have as all Star Trek has, they have an exact countdown, even though things are never quite, you know, that exact, right? Yeah, they're like we exact countdown minutes. to failure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Spock doesn't even get his hair must when it's taken or put back. Or put back, yeah. Well, I mean, that's how, you know, it's advanced technology. Yeah. <laughs> There's some of it that they, that's like kind of stupid and weird that they do okay with, I think, because they get around it with just, you know, plot devices. So like with the, oh, we can take your brain out of your head and you're still alive they say over and over oh it's this like really advanced technology we can't even comprehend how right. it was done like bones is like i don't understand how they did this it's impossible for them to have done this so okay right that gets a pass even though it's kind of silly but okay i can i can i can i offer a counter perspective on that yeah my reaction is always if your technology is so advanced you can do this i don't think you would need to do this True, mm, because right. especially when you realize what his brain is being used for, it's basically being used to be like an advanced like HVAC controller, you know. For like, yeah, like yeah it is. It is. <laughs> well, I and I guess it that way, but that's totally it. And to it's hold being a smart home, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's IoT Spock. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, oh, okay, but you needed a, a brain for that, not an, anything artificial. Apparently, won't do. Yeah, but there are other parts of it that it's like someone didn't think this through like at least mm-hmm. with that they thought they're they thought of a, you know an explanation they at least tried but with other things like why when they're they managed to speak with spock over the communicator mm-hmm. to his brain and it's it's Leonard nimoy's voice and he's just like i am in like what does he say like i'm i don't know where i am and i'm yeah, I don't know what my body is or something, and it's just like what? Like none of this. Like if you if you'd sat and thought about that for two seconds about how would a brain per- like that's an interesting question. Maybe you know, give them. I'll give them that. I'm trying to be very very generous. Like it's an interesting question of if you could have a disembodied brain, how would they 
perceive the universe. And it's just, they didn't even try. They're just like, oh, it's just me in a box. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then it goes back to that whole, we got to give Nimoy lines. So here's how we give them to him. You mm, know what I mean? Right. Like, because yeah, because it wouldn't have the same impact if it was like, oh, I'm a brain wired into a computer system, basically. So then I sound totally just computerized. That would, you know what I mean? Yeah. That wouldn't be quite as uh, interesting, I guess. Well, it reminds me, it reminded me when we were watching it of that episode of Next Generation where Picard is in the computer and he makes a little P on the Oh, on Lonely the Among Us. Oh, that's right. And they go, P, mm-hmm. P for Picard. Sure. <laughs> that's is, a terrible first season which is also terrible yeah yeah it's not quite the same as him sending data the message to put the board to sleep not quite as clever as that uh no that's actually quite clever comparatively it, very much yeah. so <laughs> uh I, I will say back on interesting things i do think it's kind of interesting this idea now you can argue why this is this is like necessary but it is kind of interesting that there's like the idea of the teacher and you get knowledge like as necessary, but otherwise, like I guess to keep people chill and sort of static, like you don't need this knowledge, so you don't get it. Like why it's kind of like an interesting sci-fi device, but like you said, Kayla, it's like, but then why? Like they didn't think it through. Like, what is the point of that? Right. Why keep this knowledge from someone? And then like, yeah, like why take it away too, right? Like why does it expire? Yeah, that's in a good three point. Hours? Especially because the whatever race that built this thing it's not like they're around and they need to keep the people Mm-mm. subservient right. so you're right there's no reason for them to not just give them the knowledge and teach then you know give them books with the knowledge in it so they don't have to put the weird <laughs> yeah. brain helmet on yeah. <laughs> the, the the concept of splitting the genders though on one on the surface one underground is interesting mm. yeah and, and but and what point does that serve exactly you, you do think like it is interesting but what do we think that does yeah, where, yeah, it doesn't them, lead anywhere. Keeps them the population under control. I, I, I guess, guess so. so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But but yeah, there's still not a whole. There wasn't a whole lot of thought put into this. That's it. No. Yeah, like other episodes that are bad or goofy. There's a lot of episodes of bad episodes of Star Trek that I can say. Well, they I can see what they were trying to do, and that's mm, my thing with yeah. masks, right? Like I love what they tried to do with it, and then it just was poorly executed. Yeah. This was a. This was a, like mediocre at best idea that was also poorly executed yeah because they're just like cool let's figure out let's have someone steal his brain and the rest doesn't really matter so whatever you know it's like get it back and set at the end and call it 50 minutes you know yeah (laughs) also would it have murdered them to have come up with a slightly more creative title like the episode where Worf gets a new spine grown it's not Worf spine (laughs) not Worf spine (laughs) (laughs) right Oh well, of course, there's no there's no ethics like debate in this episode at all. By the way, no, no, no but that, they could they could have come up with you know some line from Milton or oh yeah or Keats or something, mm-hmm. or totally. like a line uh, an, uh, an esoteric line from the Bible or something. I, I don't, oh yeah, I, I think spa, the title is befitting of the episode though. It's like it, yeah. poor effort. Yeah, <laughs> poor effort all around. I, I will give the cast credit though. They they try to sell the damn thing. Especially, especially DeForest Kelly, in my memory. Yeah, yeah, he's very good at it, and because he's so like befuddled, and then he's like so pleased when he learns the you know the skills. Yeah, it's just like oh, a child could do it, you know, and you're just like yeah. So, you believe him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. But and I mentioned this the other night because we all watched this together the other night. One positive thing 
one of the few positive things about the third season is that they staged shows a little differently mm, than they mm-hmm. had during seasons one and two. And there's yeah. a lot of cool shots on the bridge in this episode that you don't get to normally see where they're shooting basically from the communications console towards the view screen. True. There's a lot of interactive things going on there with Chekhov and Kirk and everybody's like trying to figure out where Spock's brain is. Yeah. yeah, they're doing like a PowerPoint presentation on the view screen. Yeah, yeah. which is Check one of the like only times we see that. Standing in front of it, pointing at But that's one of many instances during the third season where they kind of staged things a little differently. Right. Sometimes sometimes for better, sometimes for worse, but it definitely there's definitely a different visual look to the third season. Oh, yeah, 100%. That, that, that adds a lot so that each, so the episodes can feel different mm-hmm. from each other. Yeah, so that's one of the few good things. One of the things, a few things I'll give Fred Freiberger credit for. Yeah. Uh, one sort of last thing in a sort of fitting to the end Spock's brain this way is in the end they do this class and this happens all throughout TOS this classic thing where they're just like well you don't need you don't need a controller here men and women meet each other wink wink you guys will be fine and then they're just like (laughs) out and it's like what no no don't leave them like that you know it reminded me a lot of the apple Mm-hmm. Where they just kind of show up to a planet, mess up their whole culture, remove the cornerstone of their society, and they're like, our way is better, trust us, bye. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, don't worry. And then they do that, I mean, especially like with the Apple, they do the whole thing where they're like, well, we can't really talk about sex on 60s TV, so we're just going to kind of sputter, you know, and... You'll wink. figure it uh, out. <laughs> you'll figure it out. And it's like, no, no, this isn't good. No. Like, <laughs> Like educate these people, right? So, so where, where do they get off with this whole idea of our prime directive is to not intervene? Well, you know, it's so funny is is it's like Kirk finds a way around it, and I notice like it, the one that uh, sticks in my mind that comes back to it, and I think Kirk has used this like multiple times afterwards is Return of the Archons, right? He goes, well, that refers, you know, the prime directive refers to like a living, you know, uh, living like active culture this is a stagnant one right like you know it's been mechanized and and taken over so therefore i I think it's an exception basically and you could argue that's exactly what he argues like in the apple because of course vol is basically a computer controlling them and he doesn't even try to like make any ethical effort here because they're just trying to wrap up the episodes fox brain but it's the same but in theory if he had stopped to make an argument it would be the same one of like it's a pretty a thing. That's a pretty weak argument. It's pretty weak, yeah. And is. clearly they abandon that as in TNG and onward. Yeah, they get more strict about it. Yeah. So then of course, um the the last thing I thought of is of course like this is one of those like poor, you know, not this cent- wrong century, but then in the next century, one of the poor Cerritos class ships is going to have to come by this planet <laughs> and do a second <laughs> contact with these people and be like you know, teach them about birth oh control God. and like, you know, it's like, Matt, Matt, you, you've got to, you've got to pitch that. I know. Right. They really need to like, <laughs> hey, Mike totally McMahon, if you're listening, like they should do the apple though. I think that would be fun. Oh there. yeah. The apple, the apple badly needs it. Yeah. more yeah. than Yeah. More than anything else there. Oh boy. But yeah. So, but it's not bad. You know, like I, it, it, again, there's other ones that like, I would hate to watch again. I don't have any problems with watching. Spot it's fun. No, no. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's entertaining. If you take it, if you take it on its own terms, it's fine. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
Worf's yes. spine. I'm still laughing about that. <laughs> well, yeah, and there's I've one watched. where Neelix gets his lungs ripped out. Oh, yeah. That Neelix lungs. Neelix the, lungs, the, yeah. The age, I think, is the name of the episode. Yeah. Keep going. Holographic lung. I want more episodes that are named for a person's organs. <laughs> so, and that's and that's the kind of thing that Lower Decks might actually yes. do. Picard's yes. Picard's heart. Come on, come, come on Mike. Heart. Come on, Mike. We're giving you gold here, man. <laughs> okay, new game I just thought of is we think of a bad name for an episode and then the person has to guess what it was. Because you all know what I meant when I said Picard's heart, right? Yes, exactly. Yes, of course. Yep. Yeah. Well, actually, oh, that could be two different nice. episodes. Actually, that could be two. Yeah. yeah I was going to say. I was actually first thinking Tapestry, but I realized that the other episode. It, it could be the. Uh, whose name I forget. Samaritan Stare. Snare. Samaritan Snare. Yeah. Yeah. With um, Pulaski in the, yeah, in Pulaski the, in the red surgical mm-hmm. get up thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good segue to TNG, I think. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about phantasms. Yeah. This is fun. I like this episode. Um, should, we, should we read up the uh, summary yeah. really quick? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is some season seven, by the way, phantasms. The crew helped Data investigate when his dream program suddenly begins generating nightmares, which makes him act strangely. Meanwhile... Captain Picard attempts to avoid attending a boring Starfleet banquet. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that that's even like the, the sort of B plot because it doesn't yeah. matter at all. Yeah. I had to. I, but I, I forgot that entirely. It, yeah. it, it's an interesting AB pairing because the data dream stuff is actually, it gets pretty heavy, I would say, at times. Super, or it could very yeah. easily, this could very easily become a very dark episode. But then you have oh, yeah. some of the most light, like moments full of levity. In the in the whole series, I would say, takes place in this episode. Yeah, where he's just like, "No, we're having engine problems, not because I want to avoid your stuffy." Yeah, you know, get you together. can tell Picard is like secretly relieved. Mm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> totally, totally. I also wanted to make sure that we mentioned because I didn't realize this until my rewatch yesterday of this episode that this was directed by Patrick Stewart. Yep. That's right. And as yeah. soon as I read that, I saw the episode in a whole new light. I was like. Of course, this was directed by Patrick Stewart. This is sort of like Midsummer Night's Dream. Like, there's Shakespearean aspects. I thought to mm. like the more the more fantastical side of Shakespeare to this episode, and I'm just like, oh yeah, dream symbolism. Just... <laughs> and come on, yeah. this is totally. Th- and it's just it's wacky, but it's wacky in a way that's like artistic and pointed and thoughtful. And yeah, and I was like, yeah. this. Of course, Patrick Stewart directed this episode. Well, it also explains why Picard's barely in it because he was yeah. busy directing. Right, right. <laughs> his, yeah. his B plot is tiny, and that's uh-huh. why. And he did. I think he did an amazing job directing this. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, I also, I've always liked this episode. I think too, because remember, you know, when Data starts experimenting with dreaming in uh, Birthright Part One. Mm-hmm. And then they like do nothing with it. Like you, I expected Birthright Part Two to still have an A B plot, you know, of like still his dreaming, and they just dropped it completely. Which is is so weird because that's such a stronger element of that. Exactly, episode. and it was yeah. so like, frustrating watching Part Two. So boring to me. Yeah, yeah. Watching Part Two is just like, when are we getting back to data dreaming? Oh, oh, we're not. Is that the like, one with the crow or the raven? The yeah. Crow? Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Because when I started watching this one, and first I had conflated. The, I thought that the Raven was also in this one. Yeah, yeah. It totally was. Well, th- so this basically picks up on that whole thing, like the, the imagery he has, and he's still he's still playing around with his dreams, and then we actually get to finally see more of them. So I have to say, I love this episode. Me too. 
Because you really don't oh, know yeah. where it's going until very late. And it's like, okay, I don't know about you guys, but like it's super quotable. Parts of it are super quotable. Like mm-hmm. I used to totally turn to like Banger Brother and I. I mean, I remember watching this like first run, you know, as like preteens with like my brother and I watching it. And then we turn to each other and be like, oh, is that a cake? With mint frosting, you know, because <laughs> like, like, yeah, exactly, because like cellular Worf peptide. is all like hungry and like growls it. It's uh-huh. a cellular peptide with mint frosting. <laughs> it's just so quotable and he, weird. He's clearly talking with his mouth full. Cause oh so yeah, delicious. exactly. Because it's so read. delicious. Yeah. So there's just such weird stuff like that. There's just like, you know, you just have it's just it just sticks with you. Yeah. And and then of course, I mean, Doctor Crusher drinking from Riker's head is mm-hmm. like. Another just great from Riker's like, head. The phone inside Data's chest. Yeah, like, yeah. there's so many memorable images from this. And then so that that image, that last one, has spawned the internet meme. Uh, I have an Android phone with unlimited data. Yes, yep. I love that. Right. <laughs> the other thing I've mentioned several times. I played this, uh, basically the TNG answer to Magic: The Gathering in the '90s a lot. It's called the the Star Trek mm-hmm. customizable card game. And they mined the crap out of this episode for imagery. Oh. Because there's so many creative shots that they could take and make cards of. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, like, all the stuff that you mentioned, like the Beverly with the with the straw in Riker's head, all that stuff they had cards for. Wow. I mean, it is really unique, so it makes sense. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, so let's get the freakiest part out of the way, though, which is, like, you do not see this coming the first time you see it. Which is like Data basically takes a tool that, um, by the way, looks a hell of a like a serrated knife, mm. yeah, and stabs the crap out of Troy's shoulder, and you're just like, "Whoa!" It's yeah. almost gory. What? Yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty intense. Like, it's intense. For it's TNG. very intense. Yeah, and they get really close in on Data's face when he's stabbing her. Yeah, like a like yes, a like do. a murder movie. Psycho. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. yeah. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. got like a Jack the Ripper vibe too. Jack, oh, I was just gonna say, yeah. I was just gonna say Jack the Ripper. There yeah. you go, totally. And you know, it's Data, it's so it's like you can't stop him. And oh god! Yeah, exactly. They, he can overpower you because yeah, he gets out, and I can't remember who's there. Maybe Riker and someone else are there outside the turbo lift when this happens, and they go to restrain him. And um, I was watching it with my husband, and he goes, "Oh, they can't, they can't hold him back." But it's only because nope. Data stopped himself and kind of came to. That's right. right. That he stopped. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's an intense scene. That's one of the most intense scenes in all of TNG, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really something like. Yeah. I, I when I first first watched it, I could not believe they did it. Honestly, it was yeah, like, well, no, it's good, very good, very unexpected, very shocking. I mm-hmm. I really like that they give they give everyone um, something to do in this episode. Perhaps with the exception of Picard, but they even kind of hang a lantern on that at one point when he's in engineering. Just like he just he can't do anything Trying to sit to on his hands, to do. and so yeah. he's like, "Oh, let me try to help with this. Let me try to help with that." And Jordy has to yell at him. but they have a very data centric episode and often you know data goes to Jordy when he has you know quote unquote medical problems so there's that interaction um but then there's also meaningful interaction with troy with where she's counseling him and and talking him through things then there's meaningful interaction with uh with beverly um who's coming up with you know the who's the one who discovered these yeah. creatures on them and all this. I guess yeah. Worf maybe is one of the people who doesn't really have anything to do in this episode. Yeah, he's got that great line about the cellular. But he's, he's got the, he's yeah. got one he's of got the most memorable line the lines in the whole episode. Yeah. But yeah. real Worf doesn't have a lot to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Michael Dorn does, <laughs> Michael re- Dorn does, yeah. But the reveal when, when Beverly is passing the device over people. And oh, that's, that's really so well. Cool. That is, 
it's creepy. The little mouths really cool. and stuff. You're yeah. like, oh my god. Yeah, what? that is so, really that, that is really well done. I I think this episode, especially the moment you're referencing, there succeeds where the previous episode schisms had failed. Mm. Where they were, from the previous season, where they were trying to do like a horror element of the click clicky aliens. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Abducting people. Um, and you know that episode certainly isn't terrible, but I think this hits the sci-fi horror a little bit better. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And it is one of the highlights of season seven. Oh yeah, agreed, agreed. Which needed it? Yes, absolutely. Can, can I can I take a ten second unrelated segue? <laughs> of course, I've already used half of it. Um, well, I've been thinking lately how lately how we haven't done Treknik dotes in a while, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm just going to throw one in here because we brought up schisms. Um, <laughs> and so my Treknik dote is that. We um, recently moved into a new house and we bought um, those paper shades for one of our windows that doesn't have a a window covering on it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you use these little clips, plastic clips to hold up the shades. I have some in my house. Yeah, they're great. But those plastic clips, if you just like like open and close them, they sound just like the clicky, (laughs) the the click noise, even more than snapping. And so (laughs) my husband will be putting up the shades and he'll start. Oh my gosh, that's funny. And he can do it so well. And I'm just like, ah, m- more of them, faster. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've all been here before. <laughs> we've been in this room. Okay, anyway, back to phantasms. That was my okay, good trachnicdote. Good trachnicdote, Kayla. Well, to go back to kind of the weak B plot, really this weak B plot, of course, is all there to justify what these little mouths are, right? That the new warp core uh, that they got, which kind of looks cool. Like they changed out the like the decal on the front, basically. It's kind of cool. Glows differently. Um, apparently, is infested, basically, with like parasites. <laughs> so that's weird too. Actually, <laughs> it's infested with interphasic organisms. Whoopsies. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why they've had so many problems with the warp core, or whatever. And it's like, oh, so do the people who made this warp core on? Oh, on Thanatos. Uh, seven apparently so does thanos know that no um <laughs> do they know that like if they know that this is like a life form on their planet they don't like purge sanitize you know like purge them well they said it was like a fall. new way of manufacturing the conduits yeah i think so and it was right. like the, some kind of energy they used attracted to that i don't know attracted that something's not <laughs> so just let's data stab people is really what that's <laughs> which is really what people want to see right? right of course oh and then also like the shrieking sound you know that like drives them away or whatever that's really freaky too because again data doesn't really know why he's doing it right he just like opens his mouth the first time and just does it almost as if it was like a subconscious thing yeah and i don't know he's like i don't know just did it <laughs> i mean the whole thing is a subconscious thing yeah which, of course, like, shouldn't be a thing for an android. So that's freaky in that sense of, like, well, what else can't he control, you know? But also it's moving him closer towards being human, which is why he's so excited at the thought of a oh, yeah. neurosis. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> and, and the weird, the Sigmund Freud thing is silly. It is. I love it's the... like, oh, I'm going to go consult with Sigmund Freud. Okay, you have a real counselor from the current century that you can talk to. <laughs> well, I love how Deanna's like, next time, come to me before you see Sigmund. 
Yes. <laughs> he like nods like, yeah, sorry about Sometimes that. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, okay? <laughs> they do nail him, though. They do nail Freud. Like just, yeah, I mean, it's the classic. Completely yeah. wrong about everything. Yeah. The other moment I do enjoy is when Data doesn't trust himself to look after Spot, and he gives him to Worf in the way Worf holds Spot. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. I, I will feed him. Yeah, <laughs> that's. Yeah, they did. They had so, good stuff. Okay, on Worf and that's, another good one. You're right. That's yeah. not a good oh. little one-liner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell him he, he doesn't a have good a lot, cat. but what he has is quality. Uh, that's right. That's a good line. She's telling me he's a good cat. A pretty, pretty cat. cat. A pretty cat. And he's just like, no, I'll feed. <laughs> I will feed him. Uh-huh. Which makes me think Love he it. did. Because one of the other things that Data listed was a litter box. And I'm like, okay, well, if you can feed him, but you probably also want to put our litter box. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. do. You don't want because what come? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't, Worf, uh, knowing Worf, Worf's a big softy. He probably took him back and was petting him and hanging out with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He just he just can't let people know that. Yeah, right. you're right. Yeah. You're Worf's right. a big softy. Rough exterior. Yeah, yeah. But a great episode. Wonderful episode. Fantastic episode. Yeah, I, I wanted to try to rewatch this one. I didn't have time. I felt bad about it. Well, well you can so you're now. Have to go back and do that now. Do now. Yeah. Yes, I will. Super enjoyable. Episode. Fantastic yeah. concept. Fantastic execution of that concept. And one of the things I'd love to talk about as a what I think is a good segue into our next episode, mm-hmm. which is if wishes were horses, because I think the two have some conceptual overlap, although mm-hmm. they ended up with completely different results. I think um, uh, one of the things that contributes, I think one of the things that contributes is that Phantasm is just a much better. Um, script but i think also phantasmus is a season episode a season seven episode and if wishes were horses i think is season one or two. One. Oh, it was season I one it's really early it's i think early. it's one and i think the characters are so much m- more comfortable in season seven tng like one of the things that i love about that season is that the actors are really comfortable in their characters and the writers are comfortable everyone's really comfortable and so they can play a little bit more and it works mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that works in a lot of places in Phantasms. And I think if Wishes Were Horses, I think is, a, and we can talk about what we think about the episode. I think it's pretty bad, but I think one of the things it suffers from too is being so early that the, yes. the characters are really not. Yeah, they're trying to find uh, it. Still. Yeah. yeah. That's one of those mistakes though, is early on having people be weird or, or different and you don't even know them. That's yet. a great, right. yeah, you don't great know them well enough to know that. Right? Yeah. I, I think they were trying to do like a naked time type of thing where they yeah. say this shows everyone's inner desires. Um, I don't think it lands quite as well. No. To me, that, it's like a mixture of naked leave. time and shore leave. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah perfect. Because, you know, shore leave, all of a sudden, what you're thinking about is created. Comes to life. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, do you want to read the memory alpha? Sure. Blurb? I'll read this one. Station residents suddenly find their imaginations are manifested in physical form. A spatial rift threatens to destroy the Bajoran system. That's pretty cut and dry. That's pretty much it. it yeah. Yep. And kind of like the last episode, gee, you don't think the B plot has anything to do with the A plot, do you? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting. Uh, I, I actually didn't get time to rewatch this one, but I do remember it. Like, And of course, like what I remember most is freaky little Rumpelstiltskin because that's weird. Yeah, yeah, he's freaky. And what I mean, the one thing this does that's really nice is it really sets up. It was already set up, but this sort of reaffirms it because it's early on in the first season, or well, early on still. That 
the whole love of baseball and and Buck Bokai mm-hmm. specifically. He's already been talked about. Yeah, so that and was then cool they make him real, you know, for a minute, which is cool. So it really solidifies that. I also like that he has kind of like an old timey baseball like Babe Ruth physique. Yep. Rather than <laughs> He's very yeah. Babe Ruth. A, a roided out sort of nineties baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. That's what the thing to do. It would have been the thing to do. That's right. So apparently he was the rookie year was twenty fifteen. So I mean we've seen that already. That year's come oh, and gone really? at this point. Yeah, I was just looking at that. Fascinating. Yes. But by 2032, it's supposed to be pretty much uh, over with. That ain't happening. <laughs> yeah, I don't 2032 think 2032 or 2042, I thought he said. Oh, you're right. 2032 is when he broke one of the DiMaggio records. DiMaggio's hit streak, great. Okay. Yep, there you go. Either so then in another things. 10 years, by the way, how does this guy have such a long career? Normally people are kind of done with by the time they're what, like 35? 35, 36. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. And he doesn't look much older than that. No, oh, no, yeah. He definitely is like. Well, I assume that's that whole, like, hey, if you're going to visualize someone from any period of time, you'd picture them sort of at their peak, right? Yeah, sure. Mm. Yeah. So that one's not scary. <laughs> He's fine. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think most people remember this episode. The only reason I remembered it was the Rumpelstiltskin thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so there's Rumpelstiltskin, there's the baseball player, Buck Pokai, and then there is... Um, horny Dax, horny Jedzia Dax. Yeah, I mean that's the other one I remember is because she's ridiculous and like throws herself at Bashir. And this, of course, is so early on too that like this is early second or wait, sorry, I want to say it's early second season. That's wrong. It's kind of like mid to late, late first, yeah, late it's first. Like episode fifteen or something. Like yeah, yeah. And so we're, I mean, so we're still squarely in the, you know, young Julian's kind of an idiot and totally in love, you know, Gaga over Jadzia and he's kind of an idiot. He's a player. Yeah. Yeah. But, but she, I remember at one point Cisco asks how he is and <laughs> Dax goes, he's young. Uh-huh. <laughs> Basically 100%. something like that. Yeah. So he says, how is the, our young doctor? And she goes, young. 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 Yeah. That's it. That's it. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. That's yeah. I mean, after all, she's got 700 years of experience. So he is young <laughs> to her. Right. Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> this is also one of those moments though that in the when they retconned in the middle of season five that he's been a super genius all along kind of flies in the face of it because it's established that like he can he's so smart he can compartmentalize his mind really well, you know, like a self actualized Buddhist monk type of thing on steroids. Um and oh, so, so then you wouldn't have this problem. No, yeah. it wouldn't mm-hmm. crop up at all. In, right. Unless then you want to say, Oh, well, he's so smart, he knew he needed to do this to cover his tracks. Which seems um, no. like a little no. bit of a stretch. Yeah. No, no. So again, it just shows you that that was not true. It was at this just point. really, <laughs> yeah. really yeah. stupidly thought through. Yeah, it's not a development good. of the character. Yeah, it's not good. It, Ju- Julian is more interesting if he's a normal guy than if he's yeah. if he's uh, super smart. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, and the thing with the horny Dex is it's not funny. It's, no, it's, it's not. awkward and upsetting. Mm-hmm. And it's it, even in one moment, there's a moment where um, the real Jedzia kind, kind of acknowledges this and is like, actually, because he's like apologizing because right. it's awkward. And she's like, yes. actually, I want to apologize. I think we should you know, apologize to you because we're like sort of invading your privacy and everyone has mm. fantasies, you know, moments or whatever that they, they can't control and they wanted to keep those private. And that's kind of how I felt the whole time. And then she walks in and they just make a joke about it again and. I don't know. I, I was that makes me very uncomfortable. This stuff with yeah. horny decks. 
Well, yeah, like you said, real docs actually tries to be pretty understanding about it. And I guess that's that 700 years of um, understanding that comes with sure. it. Because most people I don't think would be. You know what I mean? But I, f- <laughs> I feel like the the director of this episode and the writers and maybe Julian as well, are, you know, um, were trying to play this as a joke. Yeah. And it didn't mm-hmm. it did not land as a Doesn't joke for work. me. No, no it's too it's too uncomfortable for everyone. Yeah, I think it is. that's it's the very point, though. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. But it was. I think they were trying to make it like uncomfortable, like how goofy, oh how awkward, L- like awkward, funny, not like awkward. Oh, this is like I need a shower. You know what I mean? But like, it wasn't even just like <laughs> I need a shower. To me, it just it's very inappropriate. Like and yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what to call it, but yeah, it's it's, it's not good. Anyway, I that that I hated everything about that part of this episode. I think maybe it's just a um, it hasn't aged well thing. I don't know. Yeah, there's a part of that, but it wasn't great. I mean, even first run, I remember this thinking that's this was never a, a liked episode ever. No, uh, they say there's so, like yeah. one terrible episode of Deep Space Nine every season, and this was the first seasons. Yeah, and the show was definitely figuring itself out in season one. So yeah, yeah, and like the the first best of the weird we talked about move along home which is often talked about in same kind of light i think as spot's yeah. brain where mm-hmm. people oh it's so horrible and awful and like i think move along home like it's not great but it's actually not that bad there's a lot of wonderful things about it this episode Agreed. i thought was bad if wishes were horses yeah yeah it's not particularly move, move, good move along home was also trying to do something and it didn't quite hit it but at least it was trying and it has a, i love the great silly twist ending on it yeah um yeah. but this uh, i don't think there's anything um anywhere near so remarkable and, and there right. there were so many opportunities for them to do something more cerebral or interesting with it there's even a moment where the so you know it turns out that these manifestations of people are aliens um who were like reading their minds and then manifesting as like their desires i guess to to interact with them and the one of them's like you know why would um why would this person uh, talking about O'Brien, why would he conjure up a being that terrifies him? And why would this person conjure up um, a woman that he wants to be with? And then he doesn't want anything to do with her. Um, And it's like, they don't actually explore the ideas of why Mm -hmm. humans imagine things. And obviously one of those is for evolutionary reasons, we imagine what things could happen to us so that we can protect ourselves from them. And all these other reasons. And it's just like there were so many. Po- That's just one example of like one angle they could have taken to give a little bit of depth to it. But instead, they're just like they try to they try to cover it with techno babble that also really doesn't work. Mm. This is another place where I think phantasms and if and wish of horses really diverges like phantasms is grounded in the, the techno babbly part. Right. It makes sense. Oh, there's these beings that are kind of out of phase and so we have to use this thing to see them and blah 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 and um data was somehow constantly perceiving them and so it all like works with the technical aspect rather than just the pure sort of plot if wishes were horses it doesn't it's literally just nonsense that they're talking about and like i i'm watching it and i'm like i don't care what you're talking about this radiation that you're detecting or whatever because it's well in the end right they basically just like they just realize that it's all like fake basically in their minds and if they just clear their minds of it it'll go away and it does right Right. and it's like oh okay (laughs) okay that's stupid the end cool and then oh by the way we want to learn more about you these other aliens and they're like "Mm, maybe next time wink bye yeah yeah 
Yeah, we're we're gonna come back with the telepathic alien kidnappers and the bluegill aliens. Just trust us. <laughs> we're, right? we're all coming back together. It's gonna oh, be like man. the loser Avengers for Star Trek. <laughs> oh man, look out. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it's even yeah, it's weird. I guess they they're specific and say like next year, right? Like we might return next year. Yeah, like, why would they say that? Yeah. Who has? And by the way, like since when do they? Who are obviously like incorporeal? Why do they have a conception of a year? And and why would it be the same as you know anybody? Anyway, yeah, they don't like, even whatever. have a conception of what an imagination is. So right. So anyway, it was meh, meh. <laughs> it's not great. Uh, the. Uh, the couple of things of when I was trying to refresh my memory on this stuff, because I didn't have time to rewatch it, but I wanted to, I was going through the memory alpha article and a couple of things struck me um, <laughs> that I uh, remember putting in and talking about real quick on our Slack channel too, of that um, poor little Hannah Hattie, you know, who would be, who's Molly O'Brien. She was like four when she filmed this. And so She's said, you know, publicly conventions and stuff that this episode sticks in her mind because she was like legitimately scared of Rumpelstiltskin. And like, I'm like, think about it, dude. Like top, like Hollywood makeup. This guy is scary. Like, yep. I find him creepy as an adult. He would mm. be scary as a kid, like a little kid. <laughs> so she remembers it to this day and is like terrified, was terrified of it as like a little four year old. So that's. Aw. <laughs> She's wise. That's Why true. Yeah, you should be scared. Um, and then cool connection is though, Rumpelstiltskin was played by Michael J. Anderson, yep. who's the who's the little fellow from Twin Peaks, also. So the backwards, you know, man the from another place. One. Yep. yep. Same guy. And I didn't really picture. I didn't even think about that until I read that. And then I was like, oh, that's totally him. Yeah, yeah it's his voice. It's very face. clearly his voice. Yeah, and his it's, voice. Yeah. it's him. Yeah. Yep. But I did not connect that. Probably for years. I may have known that at some point. I don't, I really think, don't I think I did it. at the time. And I was yeah, I, def- I, I, I was already a big fan of Twin Peaks at that point. I, just uh, yeah. I definitely didn't know that then. So <laughs> at the time. But yeah. Uh, uh, maybe another reason why it's creepy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, it, 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 if the guy's a creepy vibe, that's that's, that's what his public uh, his agent tells people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Him. That is true. Um, Reading the notes, though, also apparently he this was actually supposed, and you could see where this this was going. You could see that maybe they were this was originally a leprechaun, and so apparently it was originally a leprechaun. And God bless him, Colm Meany goes, uh, "That's incredibly stupid and offensive. Like no leprechauns." <laughs> Yay! And so they had to rewrite it, you know. <laughs> oh. And it's just like, yeah, maybe let's not do that. Also, <laughs> especially so like. Yeah. Can you it's so imagine? obvious? It's stereotypical. It's it's you know it's just it's offensive to the to Irish folk. You know it's just like oh yeah that's not a good idea. Always after me, lucky charms. Can you <laughs> exactly. imagine if they had done it? As like a oh on? good lord, I know. Just thinking about it, it's like that just makes geez. this episode so much more problematic than it already is. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it might have got, it might have approached box brain level then because then it would have been a oh yeah it would have been, been so tasteless. Yeah. <laughs> so at least they uh, they they rallied and changed that. Can you? I'm trying to imagine the look on his face when he read the script and saw that it was a leprechaun, and he was I'm probably sure, saying but... stuff like that, like, "Oh, find me a pot of gold." Who oh knows? my god! How awful! Um, sounds awful, though. So yeah. bad. 
And apparently Rick Berman's like, we had no idea that this would be like an offensive thing. And it's like, really? <laughs> you had no idea that this would be like, at the very least, really trite and stupid. You know mm. what I mean? Like, come on. Really? Yeah. Anyway. Oh, well. Okay. And last. But never least. This might be one of the weirdest in a way, yeah. I would say. Lay it on us, Jared. Okay, so we have the infamous Threshold. Yep. Teleplayed by Brandon Braga, but story by Michael DeLuca. A specially outfitted warp-capable shuttlecraft piloted by Tom Paris successfully reaches warp 10, breaking the trans-warp barrier. But the side effects of breaking the barrier may cost the crew of Voyager their best helmsman. Okay, so uh. I just finished watching, rewatching this right before we started. Me too, oh, wow. me too. I watched it last night, yeah. Um, the big problem I have with this episode, and I think everyone knows this is the one where they, he goes super fast and then they turn into lizard people, right? Salamanders, yeah. Sal- thank or you. axolotls thank you. or something, I don't know. Uh, uh, we'll stick with salamanders, space salamanders. Space salamanders. Yeah. Um, is the episode is really all over the place. I don't think it's pretty, uh, 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 it's very focused, right? Yeah. In yeah. terms of what the progression of the story is. So, like, I was watching this video of Matt Stone and Trey Parker of South Park talking about how a story should progress. And they say, if you ever, when you're writing a story, say, and then this happens, you're in trouble, right? Although they phrased it perhaps more colorfully than I'm going to phrase it while I'm being recorded. Hmm. Um, If it needs to be something happens, therefore this happens. Instead, it's like, and then they do this, and then they do this, and then Mm. this happens. And it's... It's so oh, over yeah. the place and so unfocused. It feels like a little kid with like, some crayons on a, a white section of room, right? Just co- just coloring like, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then. Because like, there's nothing that start, as the episode starts off with that's going makes you think it's going to be about Tom Paris and Captain Janeway turning into <laughs> space salamanders and mating for some reason. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No. So like the the emotional through line that they try to have is Tom thinks he's special, but he, because his mom and dad praised him too much when he was a kid, like Jeff Winger on community. And (laughs) then he's in jail for like 10 years because he's kind of a bum. And now he's like, this is my chance to prove myself. Right. Okay. So that's That's the emotion. Yeah. They tried to do that. They tried to do that, but then that's what like they should have started off at the beginning talking about, and there should have been some significance to that. Agreed. I also think like if you're talking about going to warp ten, then a, a more interesting type of phenomenon is like a, a where no one has gone before type of episode where you like cross a threshold of what it means to be uh, to exist and yep. have like existential conversations and. You know, like if Tom really existed at all points of space and time simultaneously, that might change his perspective on things. Yeah. Instead, they said, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and they give him like this little throwaway, like rambles and sickbay for about a minute. Yeah. He was like, I was everywhere and then nowhere Uh and everywhere. And then that's about it. And then it's just like, okay. And and then instead of developing that, it's just uh, what hijacks the episode is these, uh, the mutant visuals of him having like all this makeup on. Yeah, it's too much. Which occupies this huge chunk of time yeah it becomes body horror yeah yeah it's too much and so that would that if you want to do that as an episode that's okay but then like make that the thrust of the episode not like trying to 
to go infinite speed. Also, throughout the whole episode, I think they use the term velocity instead of speed because they're trying to sound fancy. <laughs> but I could be wrong. Probably. Well, maybe it was velocity. Maybe it had direction. Well, can I mean, you have direction they, if they you simultaneously course. occupy all space and time? That's why that it's point... a theoretical impossibility, Jared. Okay. That's true. All That's right. true. Yeah, all yeah, right. Yeah. That's I true. take it back. I take it back. <laughs> That's true. I don't really take it back. I'm just making it <laughs> So So in theory, you can have a velocity until like warp 9.999, you know, never ending. And then as soon as you get a 10, you can't speak of it that way anymore. No, you because, can't. Yeah, because you exist everywhere. But It's like when a parabola approaches zero on the x-axis or whatever, right? It, it only hits zero when it hits infinity. Right. So See, and that's even more interesting than what really happens because we just get sidelined with like lizard. Or, you know, salamander stuff. So I think that's exactly what happens. This episode sidelines itself. Because I think, and Jared, actually, um, I think you made some really excellent points about the episode being all over the place. And I totally agree with everything you said. But I think if you you take out the lizard part, Mm -hmm. 95% of the episode is perfectly cromulent. You know, it's a a Mm -hmm. solid middle of the pack. It definitely has some problems, but... What they were trying to do again, it's I can see what they were trying to do with the episode. There are some yep. interesting concepts. Um, uh, Robbie McNeil, I think, is really good in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. And so th- there's some great stuff in this episode. Um, but all of a sudden, it takes a hard left in like the last five minutes of the show. And at first, you're watching it, and you're you're it's interesting. I think the worst thing a TV show can be is boring, and this episode mm. I don't think is boring. It, it it it's a little all over the place, but it strings you along, and you're watching it, you know, wanting to know what happens next. And then at the very end, all of a sudden, the doctor goes, "Oh, he's actually evolving into a higher form," which <sighs> bugs me so much because that's not how evolution works at no, no. all. And also, no. and also, like, why of all things have they chosen a to... salamander. You know, yeah. And, no, like, technically, wouldn't that be devolving? I mean, that's a lower order of life form if we're really... You know what so I mean? So like, all yeah. of a sudden, it goes to, like, oh, here's, like, a pretty normal episode of Star Trek, ex- probably with the exception of the body horror stuff. I agree. It's too over the top. But then the salamander thing, it just all... The evolution thing makes no sense. There's no, no precedent set all. for it in the rest of the episode. It has no connection to anything. This is a... Yeah. This happened and this happened and this happened. It's a, way, the way you uh-huh. said that, Jared, is exactly what yeah. happens. Yeah. <laughs> and then, totally. and then. They just make up a new thing. Oh, it's evolution and they became salamanders. They bred and had salamander babies and then... Yeah, in the, in the span of what? A couple hours? Well, three like, days. What? It was three days. Oh, three days. It took them there three days to locate the shuttlecraft. But then That's like it, yeah. Tubak and um, Chakotay are like looking at them as salamanders and they see the babies come out. And then yeah. Chakotay like makes a joke about like, well, this is going to be hard to write to explain in my log. <laughs> and it's like, oh, your yeah. friends are what? salamanders. They might <laughs> die. <laughs> like, what is happening? Well, and then and, they just fix yeah. them. Yep. Uh-huh. Well, and then the other weird thing that really bothers me is they also just leave that offspring on that planet. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. left them. Yeah. Chakotay decided yeah. to leave them in their natural he's, habitat. He's like, that's fine. And it's, and it's like, what the heck are those things going to become? And like, why did you? They should go drop them off on the planet of the apple people <laughs> and tell them to take care of them. <laughs> oh God. You're going to confuse them even more, huh? Even more. Yeah. Well, they're going to be all inbred because there's not enough of them. To yeah. Apply a competent gene pool. So true. True. 
see again this is why you need to teach them about certain things like they're just gonna end up but they didn't seem to have communication the ability to communicate they were like really simple organisms again so again not evolving right oh yeah yeah i mean unless they have secret salamander telepathic you know abilities that we don't know about and evolution (laughs) can't take place without natural selection without yeah breeding and because because you adapt to the environment to go like what i said earlier if he'd evolved like into a being of light or something and they'd had some kind of metaphysical conversation about it sure right right? you can kind of buy that yeah sure one idea we were having when we were watching it was, oh, since he's everywhere at once, maybe he's sick because he was exposed to like every kind of radiation mm. at once or something you like know, that. You know, and see, that would almost make more sense than whatever the heck they ended up but with. But they didn't you know? use the, the material. It's like no. they didn't, they just picked something at random out of a box instead of using, they had built this world and then they completely abandoned it and were just like salamanders. <laughs> yeah. It's like somebody was like, dude, I can do a wicked salamander makeup, you know? I'm like, <laughs> Well, here's the thing. The salamanders look fantastic. They, they look do. Amazing. They look really cool. They're freaky. They, they, they look, really look cool. like Jim Henson creature shop stuff. Like yeah. they put some effort into those. Yep. <sighs> well, with high concept stuff, sometimes you, you know, you, you hit your mark and, but when you miss, you really can <laughs> really miss. <laughs> you miss. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, but that's a, that's the trick with high concept. It's kind of a high wire act. Yeah, it doesn't always I mean, work. Do you think that's what this suffers from being too high concept? No, but uh, it started out that. It way. started out that way. I think there's a way. lot of interesting concepts in it, like you said, that just don't gel together. Mm-hmm. That they abandon midway and then just yeah. take, like you said, the sharp yeah. left turn, and then it just completely comes apart. Yeah. And then Voyager started to fall into this. I think maybe even has already happened once in by the second season when this is where this is. But this is one of many, like, you know, this Warp 10 thing can't work out because it's only season two, right? Like, sure. yeah, right. to go back to the technical part of it, like, you know, the techno babble can't work because it's only season two. They can't get home yet, you know? Well, what they could have said is, so one of the things that they never solved in the episode is that they can't figure out how to come out of transwarp and where you want to be. Cause they're just like, right. how did you get back? And he's like, Oh, I just turned off the engines and I ended up back where I started. I don't really know. So they could right. just say, Oh, well, we never figured out how to like, we were able to break the barrier, but then we can never figure out how to go anywhere. Right. And that stops. Which it. is seems legit. So you don't need, you don't you need do? the salamanders. And then, anyway, it doesn't matter because if they could get out of transwarp, they just transwarp home and then desalamander themselves with the anti-proton treatment. Done. <laughs> it's true because the doctor wouldn't have this problem because he's not a, a living being. There you go. So, yeah. That's the ending of the show I would have liked to have seen. <laughs> I, I, I will say, I think one of the problems with, uh, you know, an episode like this where we say, okay, they could have done this and they could have done that is the grist mill that everyone was put through when mm-hmm. they're expected to produce more than 20 26. episodes. Yeah. 26 episodes over Insane. a year yeah, is insane. crazy, yeah. right? Um, I mean, if if you look at, like, if they'd been able to do, like, 12 episodes a year or something, like, sort of the same model that has evolved in the last 20 years or so, and you think how much time they would have had focus on stuff like this instead of just feeding the shark of oh we need another script today oh and have you finished the three more we need for after that yeah um it makes it easy to forgive 
some rough edges in my opinion. Totally. Yeah, totally oh, yeah. agree. It, I mean, it's like you were saying, really the, the only like problem problem is the crazy left turn it makes about the salamanders of the animal. If they had somehow just not gone super crazy that direction, I think we wouldn't be considering it like super bizarre and terrible. You know what I mean? Like totally. it might be super bizarre, but it might not be. We probably wouldn't be calling it terrible also. You know what I mean? And it wouldn't be nearly as bizarre. Yeah, exactly. Instead, it would just be like, it's like Tom Paris's peeling skin. And it's like they put themselves <laughs> you know? in a hole and they just keep digging. Like they turn into a salamanders. Oh no, also the captain turned into a salamanders. Oh no, they had babies. Oh, and they made it. Oh no, like, they what? left the babies on the planet. And then they had an awkward conversation in sickbay afterwards where oh, boy, Tom is, is like, awkward. oh, I'm sorry that we made it. And Janeway's like, Hey, how do you know it wasn't my idea? I think that's actually a line she says, How do you know it wasn't my she idea? Is. Yeah, and then she's she like, yeah. In some species, the female instigates mating. Like, why would you yep. say that? It costs you zero dollars to not have said that. <laughs> yeah. You know, somebody thought that was this really great, like, retort to point out the sexism in it or something. And it just doesn't work, though. No. You know? It's icky. Yeah, it's like he kind of describes the last five minutes of that episode. (laughs) (laughs) We will not be seeing any sequels to uh, Threshold anytime soon. No. Though, again, in theory, (laughs) Prodigy takes place in the Delta Quadrant. (gasps) Those offspring are still on a planet somewhere. There you go. Unless they died out, because again, not a a very big gene Yeah, how would they live? I don't know. Just to mute, just yeah, please no. Let's never revisit that. <laughs> just let it lie. Just let it yes, lie. Yes, yes, let's it's yeah. best. I think everybody involved would prefer that anyway. <laughs> I, I think yeah. so. Yeah, I think so. I do like that they name drop the title throughout the whole episode though. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They say threshold yeah. a lot. I do like that. They do, yeah. Yep. Well, it's a better title than um Tom Paris's Salamander Babies. <laughs> that would have been more if they were going for a Spock's brain type of thing. Yes, yes, indeed. Alrighty. Okay, well, any closing thoughts? We just hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you have any other ideas for episodes like this, or, you know, please let us know. Tell us what you think the weirdest episode we discussed today was. Or if you disagree with us, then any of these should have been on this list. Yeah. And throw a few more on the list. We can do it in a later date. There are, I don't know how many parts, this is part three, like I said, of the best of the weird series. I don't know how many we can do, but there's definitely a couple more in us. Absolutely. Star Trek's got a lot of content for us to mine, luckily for us. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. And a huge thanks again to all of the contributors to our Photoshop contest. Yes. And uh, congratulations again to Sean Bender for his awesome contribution and everyone else seriously everyone's was fantastic we had um ed pogue who gave us a really lovely sur- scene on the cerritos with the Baz in there shuttle pod mm-hmm. logo in the background um we had angela w42 who just created a wonderful scene on the bridge of the enterprise d and included the Riker action figure um we had Richard Lutz, who tweeted a sort of comic, a mini comic about a shuttle pod adventure, which included a quite 
amazing Photoshop of Jar Jar Binks stepping out of the Guardian of Forever. Spectacular. (laughs) Absolutely spectacular. So thank you, everyone who contributed. They're all absolutely amazing. We love them all. Yeah, thank you so yes, much. Thank everybody. you, everyone. So that is it for this week's episode of the Shuttle Pod. Again, we hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you all next time. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Adios.